This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, Manchester United fan and author. I'm joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing? You had a good weekend? Your favourite Manchester yeah. United podcast. Yeah, not... Again, I'm your host, Wayne Barton. <laughs> I've done it again. Deja vu last that's, my, um, that's my Twitter open. It wasn't even YouTube. Okay, there we go. Start again. <laughs> how are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. In answer to your question, um, I was at Queen's Park Rangers on Saturday. And I was watching the game um, against Southampton yesterday. So it was a football weekend, which made it quite good. Yeah, um, apart from the results, um, not a great weekend for United. If you're watching live on YouTube, please um, feel free to get your questions in first and foremost. But um, like and subscribe the video um, really helps us out. Um, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Uh, You get a um, a ten percent discount with them if you use TOTD ten at checkout. Um, also proud to support the Duncan Edwards Foundation and Museum in Dudley, um, run by Rose Cook Monk. Um, just Google Duncan Edwards Foundation, find all that information. Um, it's just an incredible place to go and visit, and um, does a lot of work on behalf of the Busby Babes. Um, okay, right. Where to begin with that one of the weekend poll? Um, the sort of thing where you can be glass full, glass half full, or glass half empty. Uh, on one hand, early in the season, so it's not so bad um, to drop points. On the other hand, it is one game, and one game is one game, and it doesn't mean less in August than it does in April. To drop two points, um, United do need to develop a trend of accumulating points, which we we're going to hope is going to be the big development of this season. The internal development, obviously, you bring in players, but we had to improve as a squad. Um they need to show that they're over the old issues to do that. And yet again, many of them seem to be on show on, on Saturday. Uh, sorry, is it Saturday? So yesterday. So Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Um, so the 1-1 draw at Southampton. Now, I don't think, obviously, there's a case for that one being a positive result um, or performance, really. It was, it was a mixed bag of a performance, good in parts and then um, awful in others. Um, the best case... For it not being an issue is that Solskjaer has to use that as a last chance for some players as starters if United are serious about winning the league. And I'm not saying that those players will never start again, but the spine of the team was set up in a way that you already thought that's going to cause those bigger issues and it's going to cause Southampton. Um, you said last week uh, one line which stood out which um, is relevant to the game really. You have to win the battles to win the war and we didn't win enough of them. And that's why we ended up with a 1-1. Um, what was your take on, on yesterday's uh, performance, Paul? I think I'll start again with, I look, when when I saw the team, I just shrugged my shoulders. I was just still baffled, really, really baffled by a selection. You go and pay 70-odd million for a player, you play him. It's yeah. as simple as that. I mean, talked about that, why his reasonings behind why he didn't, but I don't agree with that. You go and pay that money, you... You go and get that person when you worked hard to get them for so long. 
everyone's aware of the situation. You're always going to disappoint players. Simple as that. And if you're someone like Martial, you're, you're kind of seeing a signing like that. You're going to think to yourself, hold on a minute, I'm in a bit of an issue here. So do it. Play Sancho. Give him an opportunity to build himself into a team to learn to get into a pattern of play. He brought him on twice now and he's been running around in circles and not really knowing what to do next. Start yeah. it. You know, be strong. Be a strong person. And, you know, whoever you're going to, whoever's sitting there going, oh, he's brought him, oh, I'm not happy. They're aware of it. Look at Chelsea. Lukaku comes straight in. Werner heard the talk all during the summer. Then it becomes reality when he signs and bang. Just within a few days of him being there, a few training sessions and bang, he's in the starting lineup. Even better for Chelsea's scores. He wasn't perfect. There wasn't, you know, I didn't really see that much of a great change except in his body shape compared to when he was at United. But he made a big decision. He virtually said, he goes, I brought someone in, I'm going to play. And that's what Oli's got to do. It's called being cruel to be kind, really, in certain ways. He's been kind to his team. It might have been being cruel to an individual or two individuals. But I'll tell you what, it's the team that comes first, more importantly. You know, as I keep saying, you can't, you can't have his, you know, be there sitting and have sentiment in football. You can't be that sentimental because it's going to cost you. And it's cost Manchester United two points. The situation with Lindelof and with Varane sitting there, Varane has to start the next game. He's bought mm. him for a reason. All that's gone through, but you can't keep having him sitting on the bench because he's not going to become, he's not happy. Um, you look at Lindelof, Lindelof is always going to be on edge, but to be fair to Lindelof, he was a better centre-half yesterday than what Harry Maguire was. He was more yeah. sure than Harry Maguire, which, you know, that hasn't, hasn't been said that often, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Maguire, but that was poor yesterday from him. So I don't know who is bothering most about Varane sitting on the bench, but Varane has to be started next game. And for Oli's sake, I really hope he does it because questions will be asked if he keeps those two players sitting on the line. Yeah. Um, morning, Mike. Hello, gents from sunny Cyprus. Um, well, we're stuck in miserable England dissecting the um, the bones out of Sunday's game. Um, you mentioned the, the faith, and we've talked before, we've gone back and forth over the sort of positive virtues of that, you know, like obviously as... Luke shows the most prominent example of it going well, that um, you've got a player who has benefited from that faith and patience. But there's also the sort of principle of flogging a dead horse, basically. And I think we've got that with a couple of players. I mean, Matic and um, Fred in the midfield, it was so obvious that they were going left all the time. Sorry, they were going right because of the, the, the way that they passed the ball. It was just always going to the right. And we were having more joy on the left with the likes of Pogba. Um, because Pogba played well when he got the ball. He, you know, he was the most influential player, I thought, again. But when you had the ball with Matic and Fred, because they were always moving it to the right, it was easy for Southampton to sort of telegraph what they were doing. And it made a lot of problems for us. Um, what did you make? I mean, obviously, the midfield was a, a major issue yesterday. Um, and... The, the bottom line is, the baseline is, it doesn't matter what midfield United pick because it's always going to be reactive. It's not a proactive midfield selection that we've got. It's not a, no combination of midfielders that we've got will stamp the authority on a game where they say that they're going to be the ones that control the pace of the game. They're always going to be reacting to what the opposition do. Um, was yesterday an opportunity where you would say, McTominay's not quite fit, you've got to throw... 
um, you've got to throw Van der Beek in. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. He, sh he should have been given the opportunity. Even worse is that when he tried, I mean, he makes a substitution of bringing on McTominay for um, Fred, and you get yourself, there's 1 1. You've got yourself back in the game. You're trying to win the game. You bring on McTominay for Fred. So you go, well, you struck your shoulders. And then he makes the later change of taking off Matage for Lingard. And I think to myself, all right, well, maybe something like that could have been, should have been done earlier. But straight away, my thoughts were, my words were said when, when I was working was, from Van der Beek, that's, that's made done in certain ways. You've got somebody you sent on loan who you don't really fancy. When you bring him back, he's on, he comes back from on loan and you keep kind of talking up about not, not letting him go, letting him go because you're thinking you want him part of your squad. Why have you gone and spent 30 million on me for me just to sit around here and do nothing? That, he was the most obvious one to come on in that in that midfield, to be perfectly honest, because he can go back to front. He, he keeps the ball. One of the few who can really keep the ball and be, yeah. progressive, be progressive as well with it in his intentions with the ball, but he doesn't give him a run. And it doesn't make any sense at all. That midfield needs him. If you're talking about who's at the club now, it needs someone like him in there who has got a presence, which if you were Southampton and he was playing, when you saw the team sheet, you'll go, ooh. But when you saw that midfield that came up against them, Southampton, a lot of people's favourites to go down kind of went, oh, this ain't that, this isn't that bad. And yeah. to be honest, they, they, they showed that and after initial... Um, Poor start in the first half. They got better and better towards the in the back end of the first half, and exactly the same in the in the second half where United scored. And I thought, right here it comes. The old little drum beat going to get quicker and quicker now. They're going to step the tempo up, and it's going to dominate. No, you've got Ponderous at the back. Maguire's been caught on the ball. He's labouring at the back, and so it causes everything to be laboured. The ball into midfield, then the ball trying to go forward. Fernandez started to get the hump, throwing himself around like a spoiled little child yeah. for the goal. For the goal, he's on about their goal. It was never a foul in a million years. He showed the petulance of a six-year-old. I've seen kids better, better behaved in a nursery than what he was after that goal went in. It was shocking, and he got a yellow card for it. He should be fine, but by the club for that behaviour, terrible. I, you know, that caused a lot of debate, didn't it? In the sort of after. Well, even at half time, was it a foul or not? I thought I actually thought it was a foul, but I thought the the problem that you have is the overreaction that, that like causes like you know it's obviously gonna. But yeah, we'll talk about Fernandez as well because I mean he was isolated. He was isolated by the by what was behind him and what was in front of him because you've got Martial who's become a dead zone for attacks, and he didn't have the Fernandez didn't have the movement of Greenwood, which he had last week, you know. Well, that was, sorry, Wayne, about in there, but that's that's the that's the biggest issue I see. He's seen that Greenwood had done so well through the middle in the previous game. All of a sudden, he brings in Martial, from who's been tried, tested, and anything you can think after to say, you can say it, but at the end of the day, he is never going to be, or never was, a centre-forward. Mm. But he keeps, he keeps trying him. I don't know what he's looking for. It isn't going to happen at yeah. Manchester United for him, but he keeps trying him. Greenwood done great in that role. As soon as Martial goes off, Greenwood gets more is more more effective. He yeah. he starts having shots. He, he has a header. Martial doesn't move, doesn't doesn't know where to move in that area. And then you think about it, Fernandez then he looks around, he hasn't really got anybody to 
who can play in there, who can give them the ball. Now, I'm saying it. I'm not a full-time coach. I'm not a coach. Never described myself as a coach. Done a coaching badge. Never got it revitalised again because I don't enjoy it. But all I am is someone who sits with an opinion and I'm just seeing something for me, which is blatantly obvious, that he's got to try because it's going to catch him up if he does not try. He gets mucking about in the midfield. And whatever he mucks about in the midfield, he's still playing the same system. And he has to get it. He has to get it out of his system. And if you, if we're all sitting there waiting to see if that, um, what's his name, Varane's going to come in and he's going to think, oh, now he's in there. He's going to make a difference now. I can only play one holding player. And for me, then he's got he's got no trust in anybody. Or he's got his own way he wants to play. But under Oli, I think Manchester United will carry on playing what he believes is two holding players who are not progressive when they go forward. And I'll say this again, and I think I've said it half a dozen times, is that if he wants to play two holding midfield players, he's got to have one who is adaptable, who can one box to the other and be good in both of them, decent in both of them. The one player, if you want somebody with experience, forget about these up-and-coming players who are coming in who in, in South America or who are in Europe in the French League and bringing one of them in, because Oli will bring one of them and they'll sit in the under-23s for 12 months. Go and get somebody who has played in a Premier League or is somebody who is playing in a Premier League, and that is Basuma from Brighton. He was he's sitting there. Yeah, he he's sitting there, and he thinks, "Of why hasn't someone gone to go and get him? Why hasn't someone tried?" I don't know why, but you go and get somebody who's going to go and do that. He will run past people to get into the box. He will run past people to play on the edge of the box and make an opportunity. And he will defend, as you saw when he played at the weekend. He nicked the ball off the toe, off the toe of the player to go for them to go and score their um second goal off it, yeah. goal. Yeah. And that's and that's what he can do. He, he, he improvises. Yes, he might give fouls away. Yes, he might make mistakes as any player. But get someone who's got the energy, to, you know. And if he does get fouled, unlike Fernandez, he won't look at the referee and scream on the floor and bang the floor. He will get up and try and get the ball back. Even if Fernandez yesterday had actually got up, kicked Jack Stevens, given a foul away, and then had a moan on the referee, that would have been good because then... They wouldn't, Jack Stevens wouldn't have taken it on past it and they go and score that goal. But don't go on the floor every time you get tackled and look at the referee. Your first instinct is to think, I can't let my teammates down. And Fernandez has done that far too often. He'd done it in a game last season where he fell down in a box, screaming, shouting. They went the other end and bang. I, think, I can't think it was. Pogba gave a free kick away near the edge of the box. A corner comes in, goes over the back of Pogba. And the team scored. It was the back end of last season, away from home. I can't think who it is, but they need more energy in there. But energy, a positive energy in that midfield, in my yeah. in my opinion, Fernandez needs that someone who he can really trust to go and do it. And he's one of those players who, if he's not happy with something, he comes out and says, "Look what he was doing to Daniel Jones all last weekend." He never he kept on and on about to him about his decisions. Wasn't nice for Daniel James because he mostly got a little bit embarrassed around because other he sees other people watching. Well sorry, that's part and parcel of somebody who wants success, someone who, who plays in a certain way, plays with his heart, sometimes not with his head, but his manner, and other people take it personally. It's about knowing your players and what you can and say, shout or try and try and coach them within a game. But his way is just to show it straight away. Eric was very much in that way. 
you knock Eric a bad ball, Eric would look at you and put his arms out and just, you know, what's that? But in, but you, you you just got to grit it. You can't soak about it. You've got you've got to be better than that. Yeah. And it does it does. It's just blatantly obvious. The centre midfield and I said it before it kicked off is that until they get that bit sorted out in the middle, it's, they're still still too far away. Too far away. There's teams, lesser teams than Manchester United, who in theory have got a better central midfield than what Manchester United have got. And a lot of it is about because they've got continuity, Wayne, in their midfield. They, they move like that. United are kind of bump, it's, it's never thrusting forward with players who can make goals. No, I completely agree. When I, I said earlier, um, I don't think that's an overstatement to say that every team in the division, and let's discount the promoted teams for a minute, but I don't think that United can be proactive. They can't dictate the pace against any team in, in the top flight. Um, I'm not saying that they can't win games or boss the midfield. I'm just saying that they don't strike you as a midfield that's going to go out there and say, this is our game, we're going to boss how this game's going to go. Um just run through some of the comments quickly. Matt Galea um, says, would be hard to justify starting 11 next week that doesn't include Sancho and Varane. Definitely uh, agree with that. Do you think Ole played that central midfield combo to make it clear that he makes another, he needs another midfielder? And um, what we just discussed. I don't think that he's the kind of manager who does that. But like Paul said, um, I think we both agree that um, we, we need one. Um, Mark Foster, um, Aaron Wambasak has been found out. He isn't having any effect. Yeah, he's poor again. It wasn't great the weekend. Martial offering nothing up front. We've already discussed that. Mason needs to be playing there if Cavani isn't. Yeah, uh, Pogba on the other hand, free roll is thriving and should be indulged. Um, we'll get to Pogba in a moment um, and just close off with Mike Pierre here. Um, it's only the second game and I'm hopeful that once Verana Sancho start, Ole will do away with two defensive midfielders. I wanted to come on to this point. Um, Paul, we, we've talked about this um, sort of formation shift that he's, he's kind of discussed that he might do or kind of hint at in pre-season. One moment, um, and I, I tend to agree with you in the main that Lindelof was more composed over the 90 than Maguire, but there was a moment where where we were bossing the game. Then Lindelof gave Maguire a hospital pass and then Maguire gave Shaw the hospital pass, and then it eventually ended up for the corner where Southampton started having the chances, and that was basically the end of United's tempo for the entire second half. Um, you know my thoughts on where I've, I've said that sometimes one player makes another player look bad. Um, you know that Lindelof doesn't always help Maguire. Even when Lindelof isn't making the mistake, sometimes he puts Maguire in a no-win situation. I'm not saying that like in the main... I agree with you that Lindelof played better than Maguire at the weekend. But I'm just thinking, if you've got a player like Varane in there, he, he's not going to make a silly mistake like that. Well, you hope that he doesn't. That there's going to be... Um, let's say that playing Varane makes the selection of Van der Beek easier, you know, because he doesn't have to have two players in front of him to protect him. Where does Oli go with this? Because, I mean, I, the, the, no, the overall point from this is... Is Ollie making the best of what he's got? Is from the squad of players that he's got, is he picking the, the 11, even accounting for the injuries yesterday? Like, you know, let's say that McTominay was only fit to play the last 20 minutes. Is Ollie then looking at that and thinking, he's just perhaps it's trust, maybe he's trusting players too much, maybe he just doesn't fully appreciate the complementary abilities? 
Um, even though he knows them far better than you or I, um, it, you know, anyone watching this, he knows those players inside out. Are we at a point where you know those players are going to come in and necessitate that formation change, or do you still see that Ollie's going to look at that and say, "Oh, I'm still going to play two older midfielders"? I, I really, it's going to be difficult for me to. I can't really see him changing because I, I just think he's stuck in that mode. I think he's had the players there to try it, but he hasn't really done it in the gone and used it at the right times, really. The opportunity to try and play it that fashion of only the one player in there who is who has got that about him to be that defensive minded. And he's got two of them in there who run around. Are they both, you know, is McTominay and Fred both defensive minded? Not really. McTominay come on and I think he gave more fouls away than what Matic did, because he's overzealous, impetuous and trying to trying to make a point all the time rather than being cool and calm and collective. That, that's what the best ones are. They give away maybe the odd foul, the one where they just try to step in, but they're not giving away fouls where they're wrestling people to the floor. So in the end, the referee gets fed up because he's seen something blatantly obviously goes, I've had enough of that. They just do little stabbings. And, and sometimes you see them, people going over. And as you're seeing now, as uh, referees are saying play on because they're not big tackles, but they're little ones and the referee's going, because they little touches, the referee's going, no, he's throwing himself to the floor, play on. And that's what you need. You need players in there who are going to be a little bit subtle, cuter in there. And they have, United haven't really got that. Matich in his heyday was, was, was brilliant at that, absolutely brilliant. But now it's getting to the point where Matich can maybe go and play that role if he had a, a footballer next to him who's going to yeah. be the other side who could just give him the ball. That's the matter would be absolutely brilliant. He hasn't got that at this moment in time. So that's why I'm thinking, if, if everybody's thinking that, and um, this gentleman who said that before about Varane coming in, he's, he's hoping and believing that Oli's going to go to one, that, that one kind of holding player midfield, as they want to call it nowadays, then I really hope, in certain ways, I can then think about myself, if he's going to do that then, then he can take away Fred or Mc, um, McTominay, and I think you have to work with those two on certain games. High-tempo games, I think it has to be Fred because of his energy levels. And it dictates it for Fred in the sense of decision-making is easier because the game's that quick. Win it, win it and give it. That's, that's how Fred plays. That's where you get the best of him. Yesterday, slow from the back, Fred's got problems. And I keep saying that all the time, but I think it's a fact. So if you go in there, all of a sudden you look at Pop and you think to yourself, can I play Paul Pogba in there? Especially the way he's playing. Can he go in there and be that one who can maybe go and do that? And then you'd look at then, he's a Sancho on the left. And then you would look on the right. And then you'd, the problem you've got is that with um, Rashford out injured, you haven't really got Sancho on the left or it would have been um, Rashford on the right or vice versa. Yeah. Something like that. The biggest problem he's got as well is that he's only got, in theory, one centre forward in the club. And... He might be, I don't know if he's injured, I don't know if he's back in Uruguay, but they need him. And the problem is, is that Oli's in his mindset. Because of his age, you know, he can't, he's got to rest him all the time. But during when you found like the players of that age, who are older in that way, they wanted to play every single game. Yeah, he was, he was back in Manchester and he's, right, yeah. I mean, he, was, he was there midweek last week, you know, yeah, what I mean? well, theoretically you know, I, could have travelled. I think... You know, I look at it, just going back to what I was going to say, Steve Bruce wanted to play in every game. He didn't want to be in that way. You know, the moment you started doing that to him, we go, no, I'm not going to bother, because he wanted to start games. 
And I think yeah. all players want Mark Hughes up until when he stopped. He wanted to, he didn't want to sit on the bench. He wanted to he wanted to feel he was good enough to start. And when you started the game, you wanted to finish it. You didn't want just to come off and be deemed, oh, you're tired. Or, and some people, like, like the way Sparky was, he'd have seen that as a way, as an excuse his age, you saying that he's having a bad game, or unless he scored a few goals. But you want to play, and I think Cavani wants to play. The players want Cavani on the pitch. And you, and you put Cavani on the pitch, you get a different Manchester United because there's a belief. Mm. in that person up front that he's going to make runs he's going to move and he's going to be proactive he's going to make the pass because he's going to force it pass it because when he makes that run he's saying give me the ball and if you don't give me the ball then try and use that space that I've left and and they haven't got that the only one that got close to that is Greenwood but the problem is Greenwood seems to be now looking more in the game there and you get the best out of him in there because he's easy to mark when he's out wide but as you saw, when when um, again, when again he went off, Martial Greenwood got more into the game. He was looking to get it. He's, get, he's getting more and more in the way he plays. He's getting that little bit of that kind of arrogance you need, that kind of, you know, that belief. And he felt comfortable because he could go either side. And if you're a defender, you don't know which way he's going to go. So I think United, in theory, needs, if, if they're going to go forward, they need someone in the middle of the park. And I think he needs... Theory a centre forward. He needs an actual centre forward in there. I said this. I asked someone, the person I was working with yesterday, Alex Crock, who's um works mainly on the south coast, so he knows Brighton, he knows Portsmouth, he knows Southampton, those clubs really, really well. Um, I've known him since he was really, really young. He was like assisting as like a, a junior journalist as such, the person who, who wrote my book, and um, he was. So I've known him a long, long time. And he's chatting about, and I said to him two weeks ago, I said, Danny Ings, I said, 30 million. I said, unbelievable. I said, and he's a big United fan. He said, I said, why didn't United go and get him out? Tell me why. He goes, oh, they've been worried about injuries. I said, well, at the moment in time, they're worrying about someone they see as old and needs to rest all the time. He could, have, he could have done a good job for 30 million. 30 million for United, for somebody who's going to get you double figures in goals, wouldn't be, about, wouldn't be bad for 30 million. Seen what he's done already. He's got two goals already. Scored a great goal. Never stops working. He makes very positive runs. And he said, um, oh, he goes, one of the things as well, Southampton, they saw that, that um, when it comes to um, yards over the season, he was like, he was at bottom of the pile. I said, but all these people who sit up, all these people who sit around me at games, they never watch games anymore. They're sitting behind laptops, just doing that, looking at grids and just looking at, just like that. It's, they're all like Bobby Crushes, just doing that. And um, I said, they've got to watch the game and they actually analyse the runs he's, he's making. The runs he makes are positive runs into the box. He works with the ball. So he's, he's say if he's done a thousand yards in the game, he's going to, he's, he's thousand runs compared to someone who's run three thousand and he gets a pat round the head because he's worked hard. You look at what Danny Ings does and you say to yourself, that deserves a standing ovation because everything he's done has been a purpose. There's been an assist. There's been positivity. He's at the corner, hmm. and and it needed someone like him just to be there. They need another centre forward, so they could at least they've got they can set up structurally, properly. So there's belief everywhere, but they've got someone in there who's going to move and allow other players to get in. And we're looking, and United lack creativity. Absolutely reliant on everything they do. United is off of them. Um, they're looking for Fernandez. Well, they're hoping Paul. 
Paul, um, Paul Pogba can use those dancing feet of his when he gets in and around the box. So you, you see, you've got Fernandez, you've got Pogba, and you've got Greenwood, and that and that is it. That is yeah. what Oli is relying on, which is poor in my opinion. Generally, I always believe that United and have a back four, and the front six was so important. They're the ones who made things happen, always yeah. made things happen. But they haven't got that and have not had that for a long, long while. And when you look at other teams and the way they go forward, you look how balanced they look. I'll tell you what, structurally and over longer periods of time, they control games. That's what they do. United do not ever control games. So when you look at the bench and you look at Van der Beek, you say, he keeps the ball. The best teams, consistent-wise, are the ones who retain the ball longer. They don't always win, but they retain the ball longer. Wolverhampton Wanderers yesterday. Totally dominated Spurs. Dominated them. They didn't win the game. But if you'd have watched it, you'd have gone, what a way to control the game. And you look at the walls of the players they've got, and you look at the quality of United, you say, if they could get that control, they would win games. They'd be a far stronger force than what Man City are. Because defensively, yeah. Manchester, Manchester United are better defensively than what Manchester City are. But Man City generally I've got a strong front six who retain the ball, but all improvise in what they're trying to do. And that's and that's down to the manager. So there is something there, but it's still that edge which is missing. Yeah. Uh, Mike Pierre, he says, we need someone who is comfortable playing on the half turn in central midfield to receive the ball and drive with it and to attract opposition to pop it off to Sancho Fernandez. But you described Bissouma earlier. Perfect sort of example. Ruben Neves an obvious one. Um, just a final point on Greenwood before we move on. Um, I Actually, one thing that I really liked, you've mentioned Martial going off a couple of times and Greenwood moving into the middle, but what I really did like about Greenwood is that at one point, it was before Martial went off when Greenwood scored, because he just said, you know what, I'm going to go into the middle and take that chance myself. Mm-hmm. It was just something that Martial wasn't doing. Greenwood just said, I'm just going to take responsibility and, and, and get us a point. Which He never, you know, had, a, he never had a shot line, did he? Martial? Did he ever touch the ball? So, to be fair, when, when it was obvious that um, he was going to come off, I think he upped his game and there was like two things he did. I thought, oh, that was quite good. But you already know with Martial that even even in that moment, you know it's better to bring him off, even if he's mm. perking up a little bit because you know it's only reaction. Yeah, but you, you look at it now, you, you, you know when you know, and you, you look, you're looking at him, Wayne, I'm looking at him, and I think every United fan is looking at him now and they're saying he needs a change. He needs to move to somewhere else to get his mojo back. If there's yeah. any chance of him getting anything out the rest of his career, because he's still relatively young, by the way, but he's got... And he's talented. Got, let, let, he, let's, not, let's not discount his talent. He's obviously got a lot of talent. Yeah, but he needs, he needs a change of environment, to be perfectly honest, because he's always going to feel... But when he gets the opportunity, he's got to try and grab it. That's what I'm hoping that he feels that way. Because if you don't, then don't be there. But then he's going to then try too hard sometimes to do something when the easy option is there, when he, he wants to do something wonderful, magical, to prove a point. And that's how it's always going to be for him. So I think he needs a change of environment. United, when you look at what United have got in depth, you look at Matic, you look at Meta. I mean, as many people, because he's a lovely person, it's, it's great that he's so nice and everything he does on and off the field is great. Was it, did it make any great sense to have his money sitting there matter when you could have maybe gone and got someone else who could actually make a difference? 
Because, mm. again, I keep saying it, you can't have sentiment in football, as much as it's nice to have around the dressing room. But, to be honest, games are won with the 11 on the pitch, not because someone's good in the dressing room, geeing people up, and he puts a smile on people's face, you know, and some people might crucify me for that. But there's too, it was too much, as the saying goes, dead wood. People who aren't going to take the club forwards. It's a different conversation if you're winning games and winning trophies. It's a very different conversation. Let, let's mm. be clear with that. And I know the point you're making. When when you are striving to get to that position, it's a different kettle of fish completely. And like you're saying, that's the timeline. And this is the, the entire point, really, because if you look at Solskjaer, and this, I mean, this is the microcosm, this is everything of, of the weekend in a nutshell. Yesterday, I, I felt, and anyone who's listening to this will know, that we're supporters of Ollie. We see the good work that he's done and, by and large, want him to continue. Yesterday, it seemed like every substitution was amending what he did with the poor selection. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't impacting the game at all. There were positive changes, but there were positive changes with damage, limitation and rectification in mind. It wasn't like, this is how we win the game from this point. It's like, oh, Fred's been awful. We've got to bring him off. Martial was... I mean... Fred's biggest blessing was that Martial was worse than him for a little bit. And then mm. Matic had his own terrible spell, which it was like both of the midfield have got to go. Do you know, it's that's the biggest concern for me is that if Oli doesn't recognise this, because I mean, we I think we've crossed this threshold now of he's been in the job long enough. And we've I've certainly been on the back of certain players who I don't think are good enough. But there has to be a point where you cross over and you don't criticise the players anymore. Like I stopped criticising Lindelof probably early last season because you know what you're going to get from him. Like Phil Jones, there's no point piling on Phil Jones because you know what you're going to get from him. Eric Bai, you know what you're going to get. So you have to then sort of say if the manager picks that player and if United don't succeed as a result of those selections it's on the manager more than it's on the player because we all we all know the evidence of these players. We know what they can and can't bring because and then a lot of people thought a couple of weeks ago when I criticised Martial, I said, like, it's not fair putting him in the position where you're depending on him to win a title because you know that he's not going to deliver it. So he brings more criticism for a player who is being expected to do something that he just can't deliver. And I'm not getting on Martial's bike for that. What I'm saying is it's not fair that Solskjaer's doing that to him. And I, I'm talking about a manager, by the way, I'm fully supporting. I think he's got terrific man management skills. I, I think maybe it's just a sign that he's, he's got too much faith in him. He sees something that he thinks, sees him on the training pitch, he thinks, if only we can long, unlock that in a game. But we, we've we got the evidence. And I, I, I'm now at the point where I'm thinking, right, you're looking at that. And the evidence sort of suggests that Ollie's showing too much faith and that, he has to start being ruthless in the way that you've already described. Destroy all that sentiment. Know and acknowledge that that's going to cost him more than the players because, you know, it's his job that's going to effectively be on the line. One of the reasons why he played Martial because he's got a good record against Southampton. Yeah. But, you know, and you think so. And I know the boss was like that in certain ways. He had his little things which he yeah. believed in, but... But you got to look. But you have to look at the rest of it first as well, and believe. And and I don't think there was much belief when they went out in that field. To be honest, just by the way they tailed off very quickly in the first half against yeah. really in theory a poor, poor Southampton team, a really, yeah. really poor Southampton team. And 
which are in a bit of a crisis. They lost their most prominent player so quickly in Ings. So they, so if you're in the midfield and the back, if you're Ward Prowse, you're thinking, oh my God, you're bringing us, you're bringing a centre forward from the Championship. And as we know now, today's football coming from the Championship to then trying to score, you know, to, even to go and get 50% of the goals you've got in the Premier League is, is it's one of the things. There is a difference in that area of scoring yeah. goals, and so you think, wow. Then you lose your most prominent centre halves. United never have once have never won so many balls in the box in that first half against Southampton because Vestergaard wasn't there. They won so many in there, caused them so many problems. They had to make a change. They took off another passenger in Theo Walcott, by the way, and they had to bring on Begnerick, didn't they? Begnerick. They brought him on just to try and to stop that because it was a problem. But yeah. every, it's just the whole process now with United is that we're going to have this conversation week in, week out, week out. And I'm saying something which everyone else is seeing, but it's not, nothing's being dealt with it. And, and again, you, you mentioned them earlier, Bay. Why do you give Bay a new contract when you're trying to sign another centre-half? Yeah. So they're laboured labor with so many defenders and... You talk about players coming through. Two and Xavier's gone out and loan again. The lad will mostly come back again at the end of the season and then have to be loaned out again because you're talking two relatively young set of halves with Lindelof as a backup. There's still, you're still going to have Phil Jones accessible. You're still going to have buy at the moment in time. He's gone somewhere on loan and he's got to be now thinking, I, I, need, I need a home. I need somewhere where I can just, as they, you know, just say, put my hat up and say, that's... That's, that's where that's where I am now because he can't keep doing what he's doing. There's too there is too many too many bodies lying around, around, and you're looking at it, but none of them are positive, really fearing to take the team forward. The one player who may be able to do it hasn't been given the opportunity, hasn't been given a run, hasn't been given the belief that the manager believes in him. Yeah. And that kind of run of games to play him a big game, the opportunity, knowing that when he goes in that park. And the man, he knows that the manager ain't going to judge him off of that one game. He's got time in his hand, and that's the bit that he he's going to have to improve on Ollie, about how he deals with players like that. How does he man manage players on that side? He certainly has man managed a football club when he took over, and he's done yeah. absolutely excellent with what he done with that football club because the club was in a mess when he took over. People, people, a lot of people outside of Manchester never never realised that. And there was kind of talking about. You know, Mourinho in the team. Mourinho was on the verge of destroying the football club because everybody was low and he's lifted it. He's got it back to to the almost to the way of the way it was under Sir Alex, just by by his personality. And he's done great. Now the, the biggest test is to deliver on the park. It's yeah. to try and get the football back consistently, get get that energy levels of a Manchester United midfield. Because the greatest strengths of Manchester United, and they've had some great players in that top half. Midfield players, you know, we can talk about them all day long and a strong back four. And at the moment, you know, the back four, you think you're believing now that's going to get better. But it's that midfield which is the biggest problem. That is the biggest problem. Because when you look at Manchester United, you look at the players they've got in the back, you look what's accessible at front, and then you compare those to other teams, you think, yeah, okay. But then when you compare the midfield, only what he wants to play midfield, compare that. To a lot of teams, when I say that, I mean a lot of teams in the Premier League. You kind of go, I think they're stronger in there than us. They've got they're better than us yeah. in, in midfield. So that's the problem. That that you know shouldn't be having this conversation. 
can talk about a Man United midfield that was poor on a day, but not looking at players and from other teams and looking at teams and saying they're better, they're collectively better than Manchester United. Yeah, um, I completely agree, and we, I think the point's been laboured enough. We know that a Basuma or a Neves, um, and we're not again. It was the the point that we were making, or certainly I was making at the back end of last season. You don't have to go out and buy the best central midfielder in the world because there are players available that can definitely improve that and, and make it. Um, and we're, we're not like saying, obviously, two two midfielders would make us a, a transform this team, but like we're not even the level of expectation is pretty low. United should be addressing that and going out and getting one, or at least from what we've got, giving Van der Beek the chance to do it. Because I think I'd rather, if we're going to fail, if we're going to fail, if we're not going to win the title, I would rather give that chance to Van der Beek and see, you know, if, you know, if he fails, he fails. If he's not good enough, he's not good enough. I'd rather see that rather than um, see another year of Fred and Matic, knowing that, that we're not going to. I'm not discounting again. I'm not discounting their quality and what they do bring. What I'm saying is basically a truth, a universal truth, which is there because it's borne by the fact that we haven't won a title and we haven't challenged for a title. There's no, like, the results on the on the day and the results over a season aren't based on people's opinions. They're based on who's better overall, you know, and, and that's the, the issue that United have is that those players aren't good enough. They haven't been good enough. Otherwise, we'd be delivering trophies. That And I know people can um, criticise the manager for that. But I still think, and, and yeah, maybe there's a great area in there, is the manager getting the most of what he's got. I still think it's obvious, based on the evidence that we've got, that the players that we've got collectively aren't good enough to win a title or, to, or really seriously challenge for one. Um, having said that, I think people who listen to this podcast or watching now um, will know that like you've gone to great length to describe there. There's a lot of good stuff that Ollie's done and we'll, we will support that. Um, and I think one good thing that's come out over the last couple of weeks is um, the the support in the stands, which has been vocal for the manager with match-going fans. And I think that says a lot because, so, you know, you've got this period of lockdown where the vitriol was bubbling every time United didn't win a game. And it's just refreshing to see that in the stands, there's a massive support for him. Um, the, the home fans are one thing and then the away fans are their own dynamic with United. So it's good to see that um, I, I do think that we're probably a critical voice, really. I think on balance, if there's someone who is overtly positive and they watch or listen to this podcast, they'll probably think, oh, those guys are being too negative. Or if the people who are overtly negative, they'll look at it and think you're giving Ollie too much praise. <laughs> do you know? You're, you're never, you're never going to win it, Wayne. But I was just, all I've got to do, you've got to look what's in front of you. And everyone who was watching that, who sat down and watched Manchester United play yesterday, after that performance against Leeds, everything sat down and we're waiting for that to be, even in my prediction things, I do it regularly with um, a, a pub down the road. I had United to win that game and I just had to control myself a little bit and I just put United to win 2-0. I really wanted to put three or four. But I thought myself, don't, don't want to, just, that's enough. I'm not going to get any extra points by putting them that way, but I just felt there was, you know, there was, they could score that many, but I put 2-0 down. Okay, but I just thought were, at least anything at the worst I would get a win. I wouldn't get the correct score. I'll get nothing out of it because they drew. 
no one no one out of it. It's about 50, 60 people involved. I don't think anyone would have had Manchester United to draw 1-1, especially mm. when they went 1-0 down, everyone would have been shocked. And as soon as they saw that goal go in after 10 minutes, they thought, here it comes, deja vu last season and United coming from behind, winning away. But after that initial, after two, three minutes after that, then all of a sudden, the, the drum, which was going to start beating at incredible, you know, incredible speed, suddenly just... It was like a death march in the end, wasn't it, really? The way they were just playing. Yeah. There wasn't the drive there anymore, Wayne. And normally there's always that drive. I would expect it. The moment that goal got in, that goal had gone in, I would expect it for me. I would have seen seen the boss stand up on the edge of the box and then he would have been standing there. And the moment he had seen them, you know, that kind of tempo, he would have gone absolutely mad he would have been screaming at the keeper to shift the ball quicker he would have been screaming at us as defenders he wanted us to give it to the players who could play give it to the players who were going to make something happen get it to them as quick as possible and there wasn't everyone wanted to do their own little thing even Luke Shaw is overplay he's living in this world of him height now he's consistently going forward how many times did he get caught in possession trying not clearing it in rosette, as the saying goes, anymore. Wants to play little passes, one, two out from the edge of his own box. So sometimes you can believe the hype, but great the way he's come back from how it went for him, injury, even um, everything he went through, Mourinho. We've got that zest back to want to, to get back and defend properly. Now he's got to, pick, he's got to get his choices right of what he's going to do next. Great that he's getting forward, but defend... But the biggest problem for him is that now the system, or I don't know how it works, but he's, he's trying to get Paul Pogba and his team, is then on the left-hand side. And that leaves Luke Shaw a lot of space. He's feeling he's got to go forward into that space. The problem is, is that people are going in behind him or is he's running out of energy because he's going up and down. So his choices have got to be a little bit better to save himself. He's got this reputation now. Oh, he bombs on. He scores, he scores in a in the Euro final, coming in from the back. So now he's looking to do that every game. Can't do it. Every game's different. Especially because Pogba's not going to help him on the other end of the No, pitch. no, he's not, because Paul Pogba, being he's a central midfield player, he's right-footed, so he's he's always looking, he's always going to step inside more. Great yeah. if he, he's willing to stay wide and then step in to create space for Luke Shaw to go around. But now, United are quite compact in the midfield, and he's in there. So when it's working well, it's it's great. But when, it, like yesterday, when it wasn't going well, Southampton had an outlet. You see the right side. You see the young fullback who they they really fancy the right back. Yeah. Like, um, Liveramento. Liveramento was his yeah, name. Yeah. Young boy. How many times Not did he burst? Much, <clears throat> yeah, he was bursting, and he, he was getting straight to Luke Shaw, getting at him. And Luke couldn't deal with it. Now, if you had a, say you had a Rashford who was there, or you had a Mason Greenwood who was playing that side, or even a Sancho, as when he come on, he quelled it in the end. But that's yeah. the problem you got. So that's why he's trying to put Paul Pogba. So in theory, square pegs in round holes at the moment for Ollie. He's trying to get Pogba in the team. Doesn't really want to put him in the middle because he wants that protection or two holding players as such guaranteed holding. So Paul Pogba, he's got to play him on the left. So it's a six and one half dozen at the other at the moment in time in Manchester United. And I don't know how he's going to do it. Van der Beek is ideal for him to go and do that. 
just yeah. to go and someone who can go on that left-hand side, he would stay there because he's disciplined in that way. He's had a good education at Ajax. He could do that role easily, go and do that role, given the opportunity. It's not, it's, it's not the main one. It's not the guarantee, because I think we'd like a, maybe a Rashford at his best or even yeah. a Greenwood out there. But this moment in time, you're getting experience out there. You're bringing in, a, you know, a current regular in his national team in Van der Beek, and you're putting him as a position. Bake, Van der Beek, Paul Pogba, another, and Fernandez. Now, that isn't too bad. Yeah. it's uh, You mentioned about the game petering out yesterday, and I think you're dead on with that. And I think the major reason for that is because, as we said earlier, Ollie's subs were rectifying the mess what started the game. Um, and so it's, there's just no, there was no way to sort of say, we're going to yeah. kick on and, and win the game. It was like, just protect what we've got. Not not obviously saying that he played for a draw, but at the point where we were having a lot of emergencies, he was trying to fix those problems instead of... Yeah, but could you, could you imagine it, Wayne, if he'd have taken off, like he took off Fred and he'd have, he'd have brought on Van der Beek, yeah. those fans would have been so pleased because yeah. that means that's progression. That means he's really trying hard to win this game. And all of a sudden he brings on Scott McTominay and they're kind of going, hold on a minute here, what's going on? And then all of a sudden he takes he takes off Matic and then he brings on Jesse Lingard. The fans are kind of going, I'm in it. He was out on loan last season and, you know, and now I think a lot of people think, you know, which I don't think he wants it, Ben. I'm sure he doesn't, but people are feeling sorry for him now. And that's the last thing, anyway, because he's not been given the opportunity. It's not as if anything's been poor or anything. He's made a massive mistake. And you think to yourself, why? Why is this happening in this yeah. given situation when you know that it's needed? It's needed. There's something, something is needed, and he could be the person that could do it. But he doesn't seem to want to do it. Um, so, United equaled a Premier League record of 27 away wins, uh, away games without defeat even. Um, they could make that a record all of their own if they avoid defeat against Wolves. But it's really, Paul, even... I, again, I don't want to say... I'm not going to be defeatist and say, oh, the title's slipping away or anything like that. But you have to get points on the board and United are going to need to win at Molyneux. If, if we want to sort of really entertain the thought that they're going to t- title challenge. They're going to need to win at Molyneux. We can't be next week saying, oh, oh, we've set a new club record of going and beating in away games. And if we've drawn, yes, technically we will have done that, but it's not going to be a feeling of positivity, is it? It's going to be like you've thrown four points away in the space of a week, um, which are going to undermine, you know. I've said it countless times that these are the games where United need to be accumulating the points, um, regardless of the games against the sort of top five or six, they need to get as many points as possible. I mean, they, they won at Wolves on the last day of last season, which was a, a bit of an anomaly because of the the situation, basically. Um, Wolves' last game under Santo, and we had a massively changed side as well. Um, what do you make of, of that game? You said the Wolves bossed it against Spurs without getting the result, but, you know, you you fancy him to get a goal against United. I haven't scored so far this season, but again, like I said, probably... I, think they had 20, I saw 28 shots they had. They yeah. had 28 shots. Uh, and like the little bits out hearing and seeing, seeing, it was just like, it was incredible. When, just what they'd done against them. I mean, Spurs, 
got away with it again, even against City. City dominated yeah. them, but they get caught in the counter on, on two occasions. So, you know, you can't just go by the fact of looking at the result and thinking that. You've got to look at the way they are. They just didn't get the rub, the rub of the green, to be perfectly honest, Wolves. But they've stepped forward. Last season was a poor, poor season for them, with the way things were. There must have been a little bit of in-house situations going on for the fact of Nuno not being there anymore in the, in the manner in which it happens. But um, so, you, so you look at Wolves and they've got, they've got um, Jimenez back now as well. So he's so they, they lack they miss him, missed him a hell of a lot last season. A different goalkeeper, so it's you know it's a harder game, and yet they had an easy game and never got anything out of it. Didn't deserve anything out of the game. A point in the end was you know was was great for Southampton because they really deserved it. It's definitely given them a boost, even though you know their next game's going to be even harder than the one against Manchester United. Because they've got, you know, they've got to stretch themselves more. Different playing style team It's going to really go at them. Defensively, they're poor. They're mostly subside. But United went about it all wrong. But they have to. They have to go walls. And if it isn't going to be easy. They're going to be playing against a team that plays high tempo. And judging by what they were yesterday, if Southampton had gone high tempo, they would have got, they would have got beaten. Because they were so late last year. It was incredible. And it started from the back line. Backline, what didn't have no energy, showing no energy at all. Do you, um, I guess I, I'm pretty sure you're going to answer this, um, in the positive, but you you would say that next Sunday's got to start Varane, Sancho, and possibly even Cavani. Oh, without a doubt, he has to, he has to, you can't keep this. I don't know, I really don't understand it now. What's happened with football, to be perfectly honest. You sign a player, and the first thing you want to do, you want to lift, you want to. Lift your players and say, "Look at this! What you know, this good player." You, and then you, what you want to do? You want to lift the fans as well for them going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." People want to see Sancho from the start. Now, I keep saying it. I repeat it so many times recently. We signed Roy Keane, didn't we, in '93 after winning the league? We signed Roy Keane, and that was like straight away. If I didn't see, you know, you see everyone looking, "Oh, whose place is going to take?" You're thinking about there was um, there was Robbo. There was Brian McClare coming to midfield. But mm. it was all, you know, you see someone sitting there and you're kind of going, wow. The fans, straight away, you get bang. He, the boss didn't, well, he just come in, he's got to feel his way in. And got, no, he wanted to play. You want to play. You're right, but you don't want to be sitting around like Van der Bate doesn't want to, doesn't want to be sitting around. You're, you go, you're going, wow. Varane must have sat there and just looking and, and he's seeing those away fans and he's thinking to himself, Christ almighty. Because when you, when you're in Spain, and Real, when Real Madrid, you know Real Madrid and Barca are the two biggest clubs, when they go away from home, they don't get support like that. Mm. But they, you know, there's you know there's the, the local supporters of Real Madrid, but they don't commute like our fans do here in the UK. And he mostly couldn't believe it, so he mostly was sitting there wanting to be a part of it, and it makes you believe as you go out away from home. Christ, they know we're going to get something. There's that belief that those people give you for when you go onto that park. So he, he wants to play. So he has to start him. He can't keep doing what he's doing. And I'm no manager. I would never claim to be. But he's got to give me a really good reason why he has not given Sancho a start. And if he doesn't start um, Varane in the next game, then he's putting himself under a little bit more pressure yeah. in the back line, especially if, they get overrun in the back, at the back, sorry, and they 
and they don't get a result. He's putting himself under pressure to have that person sitting there with that CV not on the park. And he wants to play. He was playing in every game for Real Madrid. You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think in Spanish football, I don't think they've got this this thing in their heads about resting people. Because I think they understand they're doing something they love. We're not as soon as they finish games of football, you know, the players finish, they don't go off in big roads and have to do overtime or anything. They go straight home. So this idea that these people are tired, I really it, it baffles me. It's still baffling me how people get caught up in it. Um fans Certainly not at, the, at the start of the season. You know, yeah, yes, but you can't wait to order the Euros. Sancho, he never hardly played. Yeah. And to be honest, he wants to get out there and make a mark. He mostly relishing getting out there, you know, the silly Southampton fans who want to boo him. Come on. No no one booed, you know, you're looking at players who have done things. No one booed Stuart Pearce or Gareth Southgate when they missed penalties. You know, so this is a stupid social media rubbish thing that's going on. Let's do this and let's cause this, let's cause that. It's a load of rubbish. You should be embarrassed. Anybody yeah. wants to boo somebody. Although Beckham, Beckham got crucified in the afternoon. But, yeah, no, but again, that was a media thing, the way the media yeah. brought him into it. And that's what that was off the back of, you know? Yeah. So it's just ridiculous what, the way people are, you know? And, and, and you know yourself, you know, if they go, if one of them is, you know, going to score the winning one, straight away everyone wants to do this. And that's why you've got to treat people as what they are in certain ways. Hypocrites. So when yeah. so, you know, no matter times I had issues, you know, with me with things, and people come up to me, but you do things and you just treat them that, that way because you know at some point they could have been one of those up, up one of those people in the stand abusing you. You don't yeah. know, but there's always that doubt in your head. So that's how he's got to be, Jaden. At some, he's going to be that way because he's going to think, no, nah, you could be one of them, but I'm not going to be rude. You know, you just don't fall into it. You get on with do your job, smile. And that's what it's about. You're doing what everybody wants to do. Enjoy it. But you want to be playing in as many games as possible, especially when you play for United and what goes with it. The accolades, everything, everything that goes with it. You want to be there. Not sitting on not sitting on the side because trying to get you to adjust. Adjust to what? It's a game of football. Play it and that's the way of adjusting. Not sitting there watching it for so long. Yeah. No, you, you're exactly right with that. Um yeah, and I, I think you, you said it perfectly there about um, if he doesn't make those changes, then he's going to be inviting pressure. I mean, the pressure is always going to be there for any United manager, but inviting extra pressure is something he'll be doing if we don't win and he doesn't make those changes. Um, just, just before we go, one final thing. Today's the anniversary of the game that we played at Villa Park in 1993. And um, the reason I bring it up is because, obviously, yesterday we played in this blue and black tribute strip to, to the, the strip that we debuted on that day in, in 1993, which is the, the, the old black one. And we won 2-1 at Villa Park, two goals from Lee Sharp. Um, Villa were the, the biggest challenges to the league the previous season. Tell me what that game was like to play in Paul, because it's one of the, it was the, at the time, I'm pretty sure that I'd be safe in saying that it was the best game in the Premier League era and it probably a couple of years until Liverpool, Newcastle sort of took that mantle. So Villa and, and United playing at this sort of breakneck pace, um, which was refreshing, really, considering that, you know, there was two of the top teams in the country, the top two teams at that time, playing in, in a manner that, you know, it wasn't apprehensive. It was, we're, we're both going to try and win this game. What was it like to play in a game like that? It, it's mostly, um, it, was a, it was a 
high energy game, especially as it was it was at night as well. And Villa Park for me is a fantastic ground, absolutely incredible ground to play. Big Ron was involved as well. That added to it as well. The last thing the boss wanted to do was lose a game against Big Ron and such. He didn't enjoy it. But it was a fantastic game to play. And Sharpie scored two great goals in that game. I don't have the fact of when you do it and you look to that kit as well. That that I think that just glamorised it even more so and just the way it went. And it was wonderful football in, in, from both sides in that game as well. Everyone was just going for it. There wasn't anyone holding back in that sense because... During that time, we couldn't hold back. We couldn't, one, because of it wasn't the Manchester United way. It wasn't Sir Alex's way. It was about you expressing yourself. Him, you know, the reason why you're here is because there's something about it that makes you good enough to play in my team. That was his philosophy. And you go forward. You don't just sit back and hope. There wasn't two banks of four. He had a back four. He believed could all defend, defend one-on-one as well. And the others would go out there and go and make things happen. But just going back to that kick yesterday, that was awful. Sorry, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Bad there's, no, there's, there's no no similarities at all. Maybe except for the socks, the socks very much, but the yellow shorts are awful. Some people, yeah, oh, no. absolutely. I look at I look at Harry Maguire in it, and oof, it wasn't good. It was too much distance between the shirts and the shorts to be. There wasn't anything going in between them. To be yeah. perfectly honest, it, it looked awful. It looked like a badly made kind of cocktail. To be perfectly honest, it looked, looked, it was awful. Maybe the, the shirt was there, but I don't think people, too many people, will be buying the full kits for their kids. No, the the shirt itself is all right, but yeah, the combination of it, yeah, definitely yeah. not a tribute to the the class that you um that you guys wore that class. Shirt. Maybe maybe if they had put sharp view cam on the front of it, that would have brought it even closer. And that's as far as it would go. To be perfectly honest, but. <laughs> It's a million miles away. The black strip, that black and blue and yellow, will always be iconic because it just looks so good. It flowed so well. And the football, the football helps. Yeah, yeah, that, football exactly right. Um, and obviously immortalised by infamy when Eric decided to um, exact some revenge on Matthew Simmons at Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought but he got about 50 red cards in that shirt, um, which makes it even more endearing. Um, he did as well, right. but he got that Arsenal as well, didn't he? Yeah. Was it yeah. Yeah, at Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. I remember um, John Monker when I wrote the book for it, because obviously he'd been sent off against John Monker <coughs> a few days earlier. Mm. And he, he still voted for Eric as player of the year that season, even though he stamps on him. <laughs> which <laughs> just says it all. That, that typifies and, John. He's that, he is that way, to be honest with you. He is that way. To, He's, a not, he's deep down, he's a nice fella, but he does get in people's heads when he was playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was open about that as well. I actually yeah. ended up with Eric's last ever shirt for United um, because they played against each other. Um, at uh, West Ham played against United in the, the in Eric's last game, and John sort of tapped him on the shoulder before they were walking out. Oh, he said, can I swap shirts with you at the end of the game? But he didn't recognise him, because obviously, Eric, why would he recognise him? But John's like, oh, remember me? He stamped on me, you owe me one. So he kind of just laughed and just said, yeah, all right, I'll give you the shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. The good uh, thing about Eric, Eric didn't, Eric didn't bear grudges that way, to be perfectly honest. It would take a lot to get him, for him to bear a grudge. But at the end of the day, it was something on the football pitch. We're off the football pitch, he's forgotten. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll be back anyway next week to talk about United's Game at Wolves, hopefully we'll be talking about a win, um, but it's going to be an interesting week nonetheless. And remember, TOTD10 
for a 10% discount with uh, Classic Football Shirts, please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this on the podcast and if you enjoyed the show, obviously. And if you're watching on YouTube, like I said earlier, please like and subscribe. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about that game against Wolves. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.